Hello, welcome listeners. This is Cindy Silva, host of Energetic Wisdom. I'm here with my friend and uh, yoga teacher, Richard Chandler. I want to, um, to say hello to Richard. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I've just momentarily lost my visual with you, Cindy. So oh. let me see what happened there. I, I got the, when you said uh, it would be recording, and maybe there's something you can tell me to do here on this. Um, I'm going to click on the on the icon. There it is. I've got it back. Okay. Welcome good back. To <laughs> uh, so you'll have to decide whether to edit, edit this out or not. Oh, let's leave it. It's casual. You know, life happens. And, uh, okay, there we go. I'm comfortable with it. Um, yeah, I was just saying um, that you were... I didn't say this, but I will say it now. You were my very first yoga teacher. Oh, my goodness. That was a lot of years ago. Many years ago. And you were one of two male teachers that I've had, yoga teachers. And both of you are named Richard. <laughs> <laughs> and hey. probably from the same generation. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I have a colleague I work with here, Richard. And he's been teaching for many, many years. Um, yeah, yeah. When was that? When did you study yoga with me at first? Do you oh, I do remember you were working at Suburban Health Club, but it was even before that. I saw oh you at a, um, it was kind of a mind body expo. You were doing demonstrations on Ashtanga, and I bought um, a David Swenson video. Yeah, I would studied with David Swenson right after I studied with him and and his, his older and, and more laid back brother, Doug. Who yes. I studied to a lot more with Doug than actually with David after I had that initial one with David. Maybe it was Doug Swenson's video. I don't remember, but it was, I, I can't thank you enough. It came at the perfect time in my life. And I, I studied that video and I did Ashtanga every day for 90 minutes for a couple of years. It got me through. Oh my goodness. You did a lot of yoga. Yeah. And then I started teaching and it inspired me to get certified to teach and uh, been teaching ever since. And that was probably the late 90s, I think, or mid 90s when yeah, probably mid 90s, it would have been yeah. Could have been late 90s when you did it, but probably more like mid 90s, because I, I was really after that, I, I tended to go much more free form. I still did, you know, power yoga, but I, I didn't tend to not to do it quite so strictly. Yeah. Yeah. And then you were doing a lot of body work at the time. And now yeah. you're a psychotherapist. And this is an right. interesting journey you're on. And I thought we would have a conversation about the connection between the three body work, yoga, psychotherapy. Yeah. Um, and I have to tell you how curious it is to me how I, I typically think of people starting in psychotherapy and then moving into, um, you know, yoga. And you're, you've done this the opposite way. So it oh. might have something to do with you being a sensing, feeling type and, and then moving more towards the analytical. But you can tell us um, your version of that. And I'd love to have you share more about your journey and anything you'd like us to know. Sure. Well, I really started out in the business world in terms of career. However, I had an interest in yoga ever, ever since I was in high school. And I bought very limited yoga books back then. This is many decades ago, where there's just a few things out there. And I bought them and I, I'd look at the pictures and try to replicate that as best I could. And I also 
really read psychology books back then just for fun. And somehow it never occurred to me. It just literally didn't occur to me back then that this could be anything that could be a vocation. And, and so I was surprised when I ended up in, in that vocation many years later. So after a pretty rich experience in the business world, uh, mostly self-employment, I had some things in my personal life that were uh, kind of falling apart. And, uh, and uh, basically my primary relationship I was in right then was falling apart. And, and at that point, I questioned everything. And so I began to be much more interested in uh, acupressure, bodywork, massage, and I started studying that with no intention to do it professionally, none. And I, I enjoyed it so much, I decided to start a part-time practice in bodywork, doing just basically acupressure through clothing. And part of that training I had was, it was by, by a gentleman named, named Michael Gach, G-A-C-H. And um, did you, are you familiar with Michael? Did oh, you? yeah. Yeah. Did you study with Michael at all? Um, I did once. He came to St. Cloud and I did a workshop with him on Yoga. Okay. Yes. Yes. Good. So I studied Yoga with him also. And, uh, and you did a full, like it was a, a few day workshop you did with him. Yes. Yeah. 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 Very good. Very good teacher. So I studied with him Yoga as well as acupressure. And then after a while, I started getting you, you, interested in yoga in and of itself, not just Yoga, And that led me to eventually get what you mentioned before with, I studied with David Swenson, uh, the, the Ashtanga yoga. Then I studied with this older brother, Doug, which was much more free form power yoga. And from there on, I, I really just expanded in yoga. I did a lot of, I went to polarity therapy and polarity therapy is a kind of basically an energetic bodywork system that is different than acupressure. It's a whole different system. It's based much more on kind of Western, um, hermetic practices, if you will. And, and that was real interesting. It had its own form of yoga also called, called polarity yoga. So I had these different kinds of yoga that I studied and then I started integrating them more and more. Um, did body work for many years. I had a practice for 26 years in total. I started studying psychotherapy uh, over 10 years ago. And then I had both practices going for a period of six years. There was an overlap. I finished out the bodywork practice four years ago, and I still teach what two two private students. That's it for yoga. Otherwise, and then just do my own practice, of course. So that's kind of where I'm at. A very busy psychotherapy practice, private practice, and uh, and some business consulting too. Hmm. Well, thank you. Yeah, what a rich background you have. Um, I'd like to have you share more about your perspective on how the, this is all threaded together the, from the energetic perspective of yoga, bodywork, and psychotherapy. You know, what's, what's beyond the senses, so to speak, that you are tracking as you work with a client? I mean, you're obviously um, looking at posture and things. Um, yeah. Yeah, let's let's have you share your the integral aspect of your perspective as you work with clients with this rich background of yours. Yes, you bet, you bet. And I, I just want to make a, a note that your your comment before was absolutely correct. Most psychotherapists that have an interest in these sort of things are just arriving to it, kind of now to, to, to get more like somatic practices, body work practices, felt sense, all those kinds of things, and uh, and. That's kind of, you know, that's the world I came from. So it's, it's very different. 
so, so to answer your question more specifically, when anybody presents, I'm really observing them and noticing lots of things consciously as well as maybe it's more, more unconsciously about how they present. And I do think of it in terms of energy more so than just their words, but how is their energy? How, what are they projecting? What are they, are they having any difficulty kind of opening and projecting or they are more closed? So tracking energy is really, really part of it, even though I'm just doing, you know, talking together like we're talking. Yeah. And so when you mentioned polarity therapy, is that related at all to yin and yang, as we would traditionally think of the polarities of yin and yang? Yes, it, it is. That's it, 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 it works seamlessly with that system, at least on that aspect of it. It's really more like in Dr. Stone, Randolph Stone, who founded that, he would think of it in terms of the North Pole and South Pole of a magnet or the plus and the minus for electricity. So you talk about the positive pole or the negative pole, but nothing negative meaning bad. It just means just like electricity. So, so, or yin and yang. So, so there's all those ideas of how we connect opposites, which is also yoga. Hatha, ha means sun, tha means moon. So the idea of connecting opposites or yoking yoga, yoking opposites together. So, so those kind of ideas really do really blend very well together. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm practicing and teaching Qigong now, which I was introduced to by James Breyer, a common friend of ours. Yes. Um, so we do work with yin and yang in that system. And yeah, yeah I was thinking when you were speaking about how people present themselves um, whether they're closed or open, there's a whole nother world in there when they start opening out than speaking, right? Then mm -hmm. you really get a sense, um, at least I do in the work I do with uh, human design, my analyst practice is getting a sense of a person's uh, energy either being flowing or stagnant based on the language, the choice of words. And um, yeah, so I wonder, you know, I feel like you opening up to psychotherapy and getting to talk with people is a whole nother, what do I want to say, um, packet of information that you didn't get when they came into your yoga class and were, you know, in their own experience on their mat. Now they're opening up and sharing verbally that that's a whole nother world that opens up and a lot more information to um, not only digest, but sort out and use in a way to be helpful. Right, right, right. I'm curious, how, how do you, when, how do you use the words, like the words and how those words relate to stagnant or more flowing energy? Yeah. I'm really curious about that. Yeah. I feel like you're interviewing me now, but it's, I, I am for just a bit. Cause yeah, it's fine. Cause it's a conversation and it's really um, fluid. It's to me, it's that, words have frequency yeah okay. vibration and uh -huh. and language if you will is a structure yeah words letters sentences create a structure for just like the banks of a river mm -hmm. it's a structure for the river to flow so words are like a structure for energy to flow and depending on the quality of the words or the language um it creates a bandwidth. So 
the uh, quality, if you will, of the language can create a flow that unites. Yes. Which would be more of a, we could say, uh, a higher frequency or currency exchange. Um, and then other words and structures kind of limit, like the concept really is the difference between is the person speaking from a place of feeling separate from others in life, or are they speaking from a we space of feeling connected, yes. uh, and seeing themselves as part of a holistic system. And that's the first sort of distinction. And then within, if, if there is uh, separation, you want to introduce language that creates a bridge to them experiencing themselves in more of a uh, unified um, orientation to life rather than separate. Yeah, excellent. Well, well, thank you for sharing that. That's really, I hadn't thought of it that way with that metaphor, with the words themselves provide a bank, if you will, for the energy to flow through. I, I really like that, that metaphor. It's really yeah. a powerful metaphor. Oh, yeah, it's, I think when we're sharing or, you know, exchange through language, we're, we're transmitting energy, right? And the quality of that transmission depends on our um, articulation, if you will, of, of the, the structure. Right, right. Uh, just, just following up on that, I, one of the teachers I had in psychotherapy he told the story, and since then I've used this story. He told about being in a business consultation where he was trying to figure out why these three partners were not getting along very well. And, and he said, I'm just going to watch you guys have your meeting and just observe. And he noticed that the words that they were using were all words of war metaphors. I'm going to fight for this, and then we have to uh, arm ourselves with this, and this is the kind of ammunition we need to use, all war metaphors. And after that, he, uh, he, he said, I want you to have a meeting from here on and only use agricultural or gardening metaphors. Huh? You know, how can we grow this? How can we cultivate this? Mm -hmm. Do we need to have a little more sunlight on this or a little more water? You know? And I've been using that ever since with my clients because my clients oftentimes, especially with the relationships, they talk about fixing. Oh, I've got to fix my relationship. I've got to fix myself. Yeah. It's all mechanical metaphors, which do not work well for relationships. Right. But gardening ones work very well. Oh, I love it. Thank you for that. How do I, how do I, how do I really water our relationships so it really feels like it's, it's really taken care of? Yeah. Rather than to fix it. Fix it implies it's either broken or fixed. It doesn't have yeah. a little ground. Yeah, fix it versus nourish. Yeah. Yeah, that's what exactly what I was talking about. Yeah. In the difference in the feeling tone of those words. Yeah. Right. The feeling tone of those words. Absolutely. Yeah. And not only the feeling tone, but so th that you're either creating a wall or a bridge, so to speak, right? Yes. You're either cutting someone off by the way you use language or opening a bridge, which reminds me, I haven't read it yet, but I want to read that book nonviolent communication yeah have you have you explored that work at all i did it was actually it was actually a part of our curriculum in one of my classes in graduate school mm -hmm. yeah yeah real good stuff yeah do you want to yeah. say a few things about it that in, um, in, you're using it at all in your practice j just in terms of choosing it's really much the conversation we just had it's really that we're choosing 
the kinds of words and the kinds of relating with each other where there's an openness to the other person and not staking out such a hard position ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's really the, the, the main, the main quality of that book, as I remember it, uh, that, that the name of that book has been coming up in my other readings. So this is probably a good sign for me to revisit it. We'll read it together. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, you did um, move recently. Is that correct? To where are you in Elk River, Minnesota now? Elk River, Minnesota. Yeah. From St. Cloud where I was living. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I live in a wonderful place. It, it's the, they designed this whole neighborhood with nature in mind. So there's literally just a half a block away, there's the walking or biking trails that lead around the whole place. And the association bought a whole great big tract of land that, that's just a woods with, with trails cutting in between it. Ah. And, and we all own that together as the association. So it's, it's very, very lovely. Wow, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. it's similar to where, where we are. Lots of nature and opportunities for hiking and being outdoors. Yeah, yeah, that's really important to me. I do a lot of biking around the, almost every day I get out on my bike when I can, not, not in the middle of winter now, but when it's warmer. Mm -hmm. And that's really, it's really valuable for me as a person. I feel much better when I can get out every day and just get out in nature. Even I, I just go to this park that I was saying, it's like an undeveloped park. So it's like just being in the middle of nature, even though I'm, you know, there's houses not too, that far away. And mm -hmm. that really helps me to, to, to ground and resettle and, and feel more of a connection. Yeah, definitely. Especially as somebody who's in service, um, in the way you are to people, you need to clear your own field, you know, between clients so that um, you're fresh and, and present. Um, so I think you said you started, did you get um, licensed as a psychotherapist four years ago? Is that what you said? Uh, no, no, I've been uh, four, four years totally in the, in the psychotherapy practice without also having the other, the other bodywork oh, okay. practice. But 10 years. Yeah, I'm, I'm in my 10th year. I'll be starting my 11th year in June okay. in psychotherapy. So you've gone through the transition with COVID in two years into that now um, has changed your practice. What, what's that been like for you? I imagine you were seeing people in person and now you're doing it right, like this. Right. I had a nice office in St. Cloud and I, I gave it up um, and I've been virtual since March, early March of 2020. So almost two years, it's worked out really well, but I invested heavily. You can see my background. It's, it's, you know, it's, I've got professional lighting camera and sound so people can hear me and see me as clearly as really if we're in a room, unless the internet connection is poor, that's really helped not only for them to experience working with me more easily, but it helps my confidence too in the format. I don't, I don't feel like I need to apologize for being online like I might have if I, I didn't have a good setup. You have a very good setup too. I see you very clearly and hear you. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's sort of um, a work in progress. I did, you know, when COVID came, was um, invited, you know, I was going to say forced, but I just caught myself and said invited instead to teach um, on Zoom. And I did that and it was a really good experience. Um, not that it was easy. There was a lot of trial and error. Yeah. Um, but it made me visible where I was pretty good at hiding, you know, and then to like let people into my home and <laughs> see me on camera. It was, it was a journey for sure. And I'm a little more comfortable with it now. Um, 
Yeah. But yeah, it's, it, I think that was something interesting in that that opportunity was always there, but we didn't see it. Yeah. Yeah. And then we saw it because we didn't have an option. And then we started to adapt. And now we're, it's so common, you know, it's, it's just yeah. nature to, to do things like this virtually. Right, right. I'm not going back. Even if, if COVID is no longer an issue, I'm not going back. I, I really prefer this now. Really, you prefer it. And I prefer you... it in terms of. I, I prefer it in terms of. I don't have to schlep my body to an office, nor do clients have to schlep their bodies to offices to meet with me. And and I like the convenience. I like it. I can when I'm done with the session, I can take a break in my own house. Mm. And and if I have a little time between sessions, I can climb on my bike or go for a walk. It. I don't have. I'm not in an office someplace. Yeah, and you don't have to pay rent on the office. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 much much less overhead for sure. It does seem a lot more economical in many yeah. ways, um, yeah, right. and better for the environment. So yeah, yeah. all kinds of reasons where it makes more sense for me to work this way. Yeah, interesting yeah. how intelligence has a way of bringing us to more simplicity and efficiency, even though you know it sometimes comes as a shock. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah. So what else do we want to address? I'm just kind of open to whatever direction you want to go. I know that you do, you're a master um, teacher or analyst of the Myers-Briggs system. Yeah, and yeah. A, a master practitioner with Myers-Briggs. Yeah. So that's another system I've used a lot. And Myers-Briggs was uh, the, the, the mother and daughter team of Myers and Briggs piggybacked on Carl Jung's work. And Carl Jung is the one that's, of course, is known for archetypes and yeah. synchronicity and uh, lots of concept of the collective unconscious. This is all Carl Jung's uh, thinking. And, and we're, we use it a lot today. It's really influenced psychotherapy tremendously. And so Myers-Briggs uses that. He, uh, Carl Jung came up with psychological personality types really 100 years ago. And the Myers and Briggs team then took his work and piggybacked on it to make it much more specific and practical. Mm -hmm. So that's basically that. So 16 different personality types and how they work together. Uh, interesting stuff. It's helpful. I use it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You use it individually and with couples. What yes. And also companies and corporations. I, I oh. do a lot of work that way too. Oh. Yeah. And, and I do some of my other skills like that where companies, I, I do a, a fair amount of, of business partners consulting where business partners are not getting along. I use my skills in, in working with actual romantic couples for, for business partners. So I have people that see me around the country to do that kind of work. Mm -hmm. It's interesting work. It does use a lot of the same skills. Mm -hmm. And what would you say with uh, what is the difference between organizations that aren't functioning or organizations that are highly functioning, what's the difference in the quality of energy? What do you notice? I mean, there's some obvious things, but from your specific training and background, um, I'm sure that you, you, you look for certain things. I wonder if you can right. clue us in. Yeah, and this would be the same for, for even, in, even in, in households, whether it's just uh, the romantic partners together or it's, it's romantic partners and kids or maybe, you know, you know, grandparents, it really is quite the same. It's really about 
and this is, by the way, is an Adlerian concept. Adler, I, I studied at Adler Graduate School. So Adler was there when Freud was there, and so was Carl Jung. Mm -hmm. And both Carl Jung and, and Adler had a falling out with Freud. So this is an Adlerian concept. Mm -hmm. It's not my concept, but it really works well. When people often don't do as well, they have something called vertical striving. In other words, they think of themselves like an elevator. Who is above me and who am I above? And they, and, they, and they base, it's a lot about status. You know, who can I be? Sometimes people that are really extreme, they try to make people feel worse so they can make themselves feel better. Mm -hmm. you, you've seen that before. It's kind of it's um, awful behavior, but you see that. Is it, is it a definition for narcissism? <laughs> uh, or one of the characteristics? It's, it's, it's not so much a definition, but it's, it's related. Yeah. So, so basically this idea of vertical striving and so if it's a couple, like, like it's power struggles all the time, I can, I, I want to make sure I have more power over you. Mm -hmm. It's very much like that up and down where when you're more healthy and organizations more healthy, it's horizontal striving. Yeah. It's like we're all in this together. We, diff we have different roles and responsibilities, but just because somebody's the owner of the company or the president or the CEO, they're not afraid to do anything that anybody else does. And they sometimes do. I just had a, a business consultation with a, with a client that I've been working with for a, a number of years. And we talked about this, that he, he, um, he, he had some other business, a kind of a business consulting group over, and they encouraged him to, to quit being in his shop, working in his factory. They said, no, you, should, you shouldn't be doing that. Stop doing that. And yet what I felt is that by him doing that once in a while and, and doing a really hard job physically, Mm -hmm. that he's showing his employees he can do anything that they're going to do. he's not going to ask them to do anything that he won't do yeah yeah mm -hmm. and he's kind of he's he's with them he's with them he so so what he happens to own the company and he's the president he's there willing to do the the dirty work like anybody else and yeah. it's, it's there's something about that that's very horizontal mm -hmm. and i think it really helps we're all in it together we have different roles and responsibilities all in it together nobody's a better human being just because they make more money or have a, a more prestigious job we're all human beings together. Mm, I like that example that nothing, yeah. nothing was below him. And it reminds me of language that I use in my work, um, the difference between a hierarchy and a heterarchy. Okay. And hierarchy is what you described in this vertical alignment and a heterarchy is more of a horizontal alignment where it's more like a round table circle where everybody's gifts and talents are valued and everybody is supported in uh, right. sharing their gifts and talents and contributing them. And one isn't more valuable than another. Absolutely. And that's what's really functional. And see, when companies don't do that, instead of it being about competency, the company's overall competency, the competency of everybody uh, who's a member of that company, that organization, it becomes about, it becomes about loyalty and, and sucking up to power. Oh, yeah, I was going to say competition. Yeah, yeah, competition, too. You, you don't want a competition amongst your own members. Right. You well, don't. It's not, it's not healthy. You don't want competition amongst uh, a couple. You don't want competition amongst the kids. You know, people create that. That's not healthy. You, you want everybody to do well, but not, not to, to say, oh, why can't you do better like your sister? You don't want to do that. It's not healthy. Yeah. Some organizations are. I mean, it feels... Very much in the tech industry, it's about competition. Everything's pretty competitive. The, the buying for position and um, you know yeah. coming out with the the 
technology being first, there's quite a bit of competition in that. Yeah, well, you can you can have a sense of your firm doing well and competing with other firms in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. But within your firm, you want it to be more all in together, mm -hmm. you know, like you described, like a like a round table kind of approach. You can still have some hierarchy. You'd need some hierarchy to not have it um, not have a good decision making process. But the hierarchy doesn't need to be. It's not like it's not like about um, you know who I'm better than or who's better than me and and who has the privileges and who doesn't. Mm. It can be just like no, we're all in it together. Yeah, you're bringing up a very Jungian concept for me in that we have that in ourself, that round table or that hierarchy and that competitiveness with all these different complexes, right? So it feels like within an individual, if there's more cooperation amongst the different parts, if you will. Um, personas, archetypes, you have a more functional um, vehicle for creativity to find its way out into the world and be appreciated versus having these inner conflicts between these constructs and power struggles that you might struggle more and um, you know, have a, get in your own way, have a saboteur sort of energy um, resisting yeah being seen and so forth. Is there, is this something that you address with individuals when you work with them, their inner sort of community of parts? Yes, yes, I do actually. Uh, I've been doing this for many years. Even when I was doing body work, I was doing this under kind of a concept of integration. The idea is we wanna hear all the various disparate, not desperate, but desperate, although some of them are a little desperate, voices within us. Like this voice that wants to do something because it feels a real need right now. And another voice that says, oh, oh, that's not a good idea, you know? And sometimes they can be get very polarized. You know, one voice, especially if it's more addictive in nature, wants to do all kinds of things that really mess up the whole person's life. And then after they get done, you know, they sober up, then the other voice says, how dare you? What a what an awful thing. You know, how can you be that? You know, it's a lot of shaming and damning kind of, kind of talk. And the idea is if we can listen to these different voices and hear what they have to say and get them talking, then you can, you can, um, you can honor that they have an intention and the intention is ultimately for the good. Their intention is good. It's just sometimes their methodology is not so hot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the idea is, is they can all be passengers in your car, but you're not gonna turn over the car to one of them to drive especially these ones that are not real, you know, that have kind of a, a, an agenda that's, that's too short term. Mm -hmm. Like, I just want to get wasted right now because I'm stressed. Mm -hmm. That'd be a short term agenda. Right, right. You want to hear the voice that says, I'm feeling really stressed and I just feel like getting wasted. And you to, to reassure, yeah, I can see you are stressed. Yeah, I can see where you would feel like that that would be a, a way to go because you feel like you just need a break. I wonder how else we can get a break without, without using alcohol. Mm. You know, so we can talk, we can have them have a dialogue. Um, now, I, I need to give it another, just a little point real here. There's a, a very sophisticated way of doing this in psychotherapy. It's called internal family systems. It was developed by a gentleman named Richard Schwartz, Richard Schwartz years ago. And it's very well developed. I'm studying it right now. And it's certainly really aligned with what I'd already been doing in terms of more of an integration model. This is just much more developed and 
what they say in their system, which I think has a lot of wisdom that I hadn't thought of previously, is the idea is not necessarily to integrate everything, but just to have the parts feel that they're in harmony with each other. Mm-hmm. But there's not a pressure to integrate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm, I'm finding that interesting. I'm, I'm enjoying my studies of that. And I've already started just a little bit I've learned so far, along with what I had been doing, I'm incorporating into my work to ask people to tell me, to tell me the, the voice, the voice that feels unworthiness. Talk with me from that voice. Tell me what you're feeling. It's, it's helpful. Yeah, that's, a, that is helpful. I think it's a little different than family constellation therapy, where you actually take another being that represents the mother or the father and they pick up on intuitively what they're sensing and there's a communication have you have you explored family constellation no i've not i've not but but i think that the end result would be likely close yeah it sounds similar you'd still because you're still taking various aspects of your psyche and you're in some ways externalizing them so that voice can be more clearly heard yeah and and the idea is not to disparage any aspect of our of our, of our entire psyche, but rather to hear it at the same time. Hearing it is not the same as turning over the whole system to it. Yeah. Which is what people do when they, when they get really, really, they get really, really mad. It's like, it's like everything else steps out and the anger took over the whole system and they often then, you know, mess up relationships or sometimes even mess up their own house because they put a, a, a fist through a wall or something like that, you know? Uh-huh. And then, then, then once that is done, then, the, then they feel bad. And someone, another part steps over and says, oh, what a terrible person you are. Look at what you've done. How can you be so awful? What's wrong with you? you know, and then you see it. In, but, but the idea is if we can just hear all of these voices and that they all have positive intention, we can hear them, but we don't, we don't let them drive the car. <laughs> they can be a passenger in the car. We don't, and they are, but we don't let them drive the car. Who yeah. drives the car is the totality. In the internal family systems, they call it the self. And in in Jungian systems, he calls the self also the larger part in which an ego is a part of the self. But if you think of the totality, I like to think of it that way, the totality of who we are and the totality. And of course, spiritual, you know, ways of of thinking about it is even more than this lifetime. It could be, you know, influenced by all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for clarifying that because I was going to ask you, that question, when you said, we don't let them drive the car, I was going to ask, well, who's we, you know, what, what do you, how do you define that? And so you, you picked up on that intuitively and <laughs> you answered it. So thank yeah, you. For that. Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm pulling different threads from everything you, you're saying. And the one that's coming in um, with the clearest focus is um, to ask you about you know, what we see happening collectively, you know, globally and collectively. And if you see a pattern based on your clients and issues, is there any sort of pattern that's up? You know how you'll recognize a pattern with you have uh, three or four clients come in with the same issue or something like that. Do you, are you recognizing any collective patterns in your work with clients? Yeah, I, I think with a global pandemic and people needing not having nearly the opportunities to do what they used to do in order to have fun or to relieve relieve themselves of, of a feeling of pressure. You know, so many of us are feeling cooped up even more than usual. Of course, those of us that live in warm, you know, 
colder climates in the winter, we feel cooped up anyway, but there's an overall feeling of cooped up and a feeling of not having like the fresh air of the world in. Mm-hmm. So I've noticed that. And I, I found myself encouraging clients to, to do to do something fun, do something you haven't done before, have a little adventure. It doesn't have to be a big adventure, just a little adventure, you know, just something. Maybe, maybe you and your and your mate watch a movie together that neither one of you have seen and then talk about the movie. Mm. Just just something that yeah. feels like it's not quite so contained. Right now, things are feeling quite contained for yeah. me. Yeah. And, and the clients that I've been seeing. I was noticing that too. And um, I invited a group to, to the park and we practiced Qigong and had a picnic and then we put on some music and danced and it was fabulous. And I want to do that regularly now because people really needed it. I can really, I could really see the relief and the camaraderie, camaraderie between people reconnecting with music that they, you know, listen to in their youth and moving their bodies and being in nature. It was just celebratory and um, you want to do more, more of that. Good for you. The simple, basic things of being with people. Um, Music is such a healing energy because it speaks the one language, you know, of uh, rhythm. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So how cold is it there now, Richard? Um, I think, I think this morning it was around, gosh, what was it? It was close to zero, I think. Uh-huh. Zero Fahrenheit. I don't miss those days. No, I bet you don't in California. <laughs> I do come back, you know, I have my daughter and grandkids there. Yeah, so. Well, hopefully you don't, you don't come back in the winter as much as the I summer. I try not to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's beautiful area and the people there are beautiful. I, I miss my people there. Oh, oh, thank you. I do get to come. I'll take credit for all the people in Minnesota to say thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is your career for for the rest of your working days. Is there I know you're constantly studying and learning new things, but you seem really happy with what you're doing and yeah, well actually it's not i have actually some some different career things you mentioned music a little bit ago i don't know if you knew this about me i'm a, a very dedicated musician mm-hmm. classical music and I'm, I'm a composer oh. and i have a piece that i've i've uh, composed it was just postponed due to covid the covid increase here in minnesota but it's basically songs of of addiction and victory that it was based on some poetry by a, a local poet named Larry Shug. And that's been, uh, hopefully will be performed as soon as they get the new date scheduled for a voice piano. And I wrote in a part for myself, uh, both alto and tenor saxophone on these different ones. So, so I compose music and sometimes it gets performed. And uh, so, so very active with that as well as, you know, being good on my instruments, practicing my instruments. And that's been really important for me. I see myself doing more and more of that as time goes on. The other thing I'm doing is I'm doing courses. I'm putting together a lot of the things I know in the form of courses. And I've just started my, my first one. I'm, I'm a great ways into my first one on, on anger, working with anger. And so I'll have that ready to go hopefully by the end of February. Mm, you are a busy person. That's wonderful. So creative. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. 
What mute was made for? <laughs> I have a sip of water too. That looks like a good idea. Staying hydrated is always good. I just got this new microphone and it has a button on it, which is easier than trying to find my cursor and mute on Zoom. So I'm very happy to have this technology supporting. And, you know, with this podcast, it's pretty rough. You know, it's not like a polished gem. Um, I don't have an intro or music or, you know, I'm just doing the basics and slowly and um, giving myself permission not to be perfect, but yeah, to have fun with cool. it. And, you know, you really helped me because um, you reached out to me in an email. You must have see, saw one of my interviews to know that I was doing this and to receive your email and then have a conversation and um, be invited to have this conversation with you was a big kind of uh, yes for me in this direction. Like I, I put something out, I, I go in the direction of it, take, take a few steps and sit back and wait and see what um, feedback I get from mm -hmm. reality. And the feedback has been great. And you reaching out and reconnecting was, um, was really a, a yes in continuing to move in this direction. So thank you for Perfect. that. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to listening to more of the podcasts also uh, from other guests, uh, because it, it's a, this is a great format. Mm, well, thank you. Yeah, I'm learning as I go. And uh, I did interviews years ago, and it was all audio. We weren't doing Zoom. So it's a little bit different to be on camera, but it's, um, it's, a, good, it's a good stretch. Good yeah. Yeah, well, that's good. It sounds like you're doing a lot of growth too with all the different aspects of, of what you do with your work with people in the, in the more of the spiritual arena, you know, between the Qigong, the yoga, the, the podcast now and your readings, your analytical readings, you know, that's, that's really good. You, you have a lot of diversity there. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's all, it's all wonderful and people um, benefit from it. And that's, that's the best part is being able to um, really, I feel like the common denominator and everything I'm doing and similar to you is in offering um, our perspectives to others is to support creativity, to support people in being creative because when we're creative in the direction we're designed to be creative, we're happier and healthier. Absolutely. It's so, really the, the most, if we're creating something new, and we're in the process of doing that, it's almost impossible to be depressed. Mm -hmm. It's almost impossible if you're creating something new to be depressed. It just is. Uh, with the, with, with the, new to be depressed about. Yeah, yeah. With the, with the <laughs> yeah. little caveat is if it relies on technology and the technology doesn't work for you, then you can get upset with that. But that's even not even the same as being depressed. Yeah, Other than yeah. that, yeah. yeah. I find that sometimes I had, I had some setbacks with my recording my, my, my course that were technological setbacks. And I noticed myself getting upset with that, but I wasn't the same as being depressed. I was still excited about my project. Yeah. 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 It's just meeting some resistance that, you know, sometimes the resistance is a redirect, but to take yeah. a break. And um, there's one thing I wanted to share with you and ask you yeah. about. Um, sure. I came up yesterday in a reading with a client 
and it, it's a quote by Einstein, and not really a quote, it was an answer to a question by um, asked to Einstein, and they, they asked him, you know, how did he come up with his theories, his um, equations, how did he get his insights? And his answer was that it's muscular. And I thought that was such a curious answer and didn't understand it at first. And then I, um, I heard this other story about him where he would, at, after his lunch, he would grab his car keys and sit in his chair, his armchair, and proceed to take a nap. And as his body would relax, his muscles would relax, he would drop his car keys and it would wake him up from his nap and he would write down whatever he was dreaming or thinking instantly. And oh. so he was in that alpha state or theta state. And he was, you know, because information is state bound depending on the state that we're in mentally yeah. determines the kind and the quality of information we have access to. And so I want to go back to this because of your experience as a body worker, a yoga teacher, and now um, a mental health professional, among other things, a musician um, and a fine human being. What is you know this relationship to having um, constriction or tension in the muscles um, versus being relaxed, other than the obvious that there's more flow and circulation on an energy level, what would you say, um, what, what would you wanna to add to that? You can actually use them both together. I, I've done this for years with yoga. In fact, your audience, if you can join me with this, try this out. Just go ahead and, um, and stretch and just go, I'm gonna stretch forward a little bit. And as I stretch forward, at some point, I feel the first edge of the stretch. Okay, this is the first edge. Okay, and then if I stretched a little farther, I'd feel okay. I can feel I'm in the middle of the stretch, but I'm no there, nowhere near as much as I could stretch. Okay, and if you go a little more, you'll feel oh, this is the maximum stretch, where it still feels totally pleasant. These, this idea on the stretch specifically came from Eric Schiffman, who wrote a book on yoga years ago. Really a wonderful book. He, uh, Eric Schiffman is his name. And he talks about the edges of the stretch. And then, and then in the idea of the third edge, then this case is the, the, it's, 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 it's the most you can go while it's still 100% pleasant and not unpleasant. And you go farther, then you're in some level of discomfort. And if you go too far, it's sharp, it's pain. Okay, so you have all these different levels. Well, if you can just all try this, go to the place where you feel those edges. First, the first thing you feel anything ball, first edge, second edge, you're in the middle of the stretch, third edge, the maximum stretch you can feel where it's still comfortable and no unpleasantness. Now do this, tighten all your muscles, right at that point, tighten, take a big breath in, hold your breath, and now suddenly let go and you'll notice that edge dissolved and you're into a, a greater open, more open stretch. Do you feel that? Mm, yeah. So the, the edge disorganized and you can go into a deeper stretch. So this is a way to use tension and relaxation together. Mm. 
And, and I would say that, that that's what, it, I, I'm not sure exactly what Einstein was doing with his keys so much as waking himself up when he was still right. a bit of in a dream state. That was it. But, but you can use this kind of quality of tension and relaxation. It's, it's more effective if you, if you actually, when you're going to a place where you feel resistance, like in a conversation with somebody, you're feeling a little resistance, to actually even notice it a little more, even feel it a little more, and then suddenly let go. Mm. And it's more powerful, I found, than if you just, oh, I just need to relax. More powerful than that. Acknowledge the tension. Yeah, that's excellent. Because it feels like what you're inviting us to do is to stretch our boundary a little. Yeah. Yeah, that the boundary, um, go to the edge of that, challenge it just gently and a little to not even to, you know, it's almost like we have to do that on a regular basis just to maintain what we have so we don't lose it, right? It's not like expanding um, our boundaries so much that we don't have any limits. It's about as we um, mature on the physical level, if we're not constantly moving our body to the edge of the boundary, the boundary is creeping in and creeping in. Yes, absolutely. It feels yeah. like that happens psychologically as well. If we're not challenging ourselves by being with other people who don't think like us, but we're always surrounding ourselves with people who are thinking like us, we don't really challenge our perception. And when we encounter someone who has a different point of view, we might feel threatened by that Yeah. versus opening to be curious like um i think you mentioned before the curiosity yes curiosity is his key that you're yeah. curious if you look at a continuum one end of the continuum is curious and the other end is is uh rigid and judgmental yeah you know fixed more fixed right curious is more available it's it's, it's available to move and to consider it's more neutral yeah. So, so yeah, that's a real good idea with, with how you approach things is to know that you can, you can actually really feel the, the, the tension, feel the, the, with your awareness and then just let go and you'll notice that you'll expand. Yeah. It feels like, um, there's no judgment in that when, when you use oops, the polarity, like both sides, it's like taking water and in its ice form of being contracted, it has a use. We yeah. need ice. We need, it has its purpose. And yeah. then as it gives way to water and through even being applied to heat becomes steam, that has its use. Yeah. And that, that water element in the middle ground, there's, there's no judgment that ice is less valuable than water or steam. Right. They all right. have an equal value. They're just at different ends of the spectrum. And um, how do we how do we move fluidly through these different states of being fixed? Sometimes we need to be fixed. Sometimes we need to be curious. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's really helpful. Thank you. Yeah, very good. Yeah. And energetically, you know, it's like um, since our conversation is about energy, that um, there's there's movement at different levels, right? Like in the physical domain, energy moves slower, like in the element of 
earth and water. Those are yin elements. They're heavier and they, they, they tend to fall towards the earth versus water and air or fire and air, which are more um, lighter. They tend to rise towards heaven. Yeah. Yeah. So and it's not like one is better than the other. We really need them all. Yeah. At some points, at some particular activities, one is better than others. When it comes to relationships, a lot of people aren't good with boundaries, which is earth. You know, this is really what makes sense for me, and it's not going to make sense for me to do that, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> it's a good boundary, which we need that if we're going to have healthy relationships with people. But but if you got too stuck in it, that would say, I'm not open to anything other than my way. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. If you have, you want emotion, you want a feeling of fluidity and emotion, but if you have too much emotion, it gets flooded, and then, then it's just a big mess. Mm. You, know, you want fire, which is energy, because that gives you the energy to really work with your life. But if it's too much fire, you burn down the house. That's like people, they get angry, mm. you know, and really, you know, they, they yell and scream and call people names or even do something physical. Too much fire. It's not, not, not helpful. Too much, uh, enough air, you've got plenty of creative ideas. Too much air, and it's, oh, should I do this or should I do this? But there's nothing <laughs> grounded into actual action. It's just a bunch of, it's just a bunch of thoughts and often very, very differing thoughts. Mm -hmm. So the elements, the language of the elements, which I used very specifically in polarity therapy, because I'd work with their earth energy, the water energy, fire energy, air energy, and their space energy, space or ether. You know, I did that as, as, a, as a body worker. I, I, I can do this now psychologically too with people. And oftentimes I'll even give them that language of the elements that I just just talked with you and, and, and our listenership about because it's a, a really good vocabulary to describe things that are sometimes hard to describe. Yeah, it is helpful. And in, in the I Ching with the 64 hexagrams, you go through the whole sequence and you get to 63, it's called after completion. And 64 is called before completion. There's this little riddle at the end. And the after completion is actually water over fire. And that's the goal is to get the fire from the head, all the thinking um, energy down into the feet and bring the water from the kidneys, from the earth up to the head to cool sort of like this HVAC heating, ventilation, air conditioning system. So yeah. that there's a even temperature or temperament um, throughout. And so the goal is um, to bring the fire under the water and that's called after completion. So it okay. describes kind of what you're, you're referring to is these more um, quick energies um, of excess to, to bring them into a more uh, stability to, yeah, to yeah. stabilize ourselves in uh, right, a right. relationship to that. Yeah, because sometimes we need more grounding and other times we need to be a little bit more free of the ground. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like, just like nature, what's appropriate, what's in balance. We, to ask those questions really helps us to, to be more effective and happy and those around of us to, to feel happier in our presence. Yeah. And I think the last question coming into awareness, and then I want to have you share some um, information about how people can get in touch with you sure. is how things are moving 
so much into a the technical um what do i want to say dependency on our devices and being um distracted by being pulled in so many directions a lot of these apps and technologies they're designed to um, create an addiction a mental addiction to um, some of the responses the brain gets when we get a text message and so forth um, yeah. how are you supporting people with that and what are you seeing in people that are having issue with that anything you want to say about yeah in relationships a lot of times this is a common thing i hear is is you know, this, the person I'm with is paying more attention to their phone than they are to paying attention to me. Mm -hmm. You know, then the other person often says, well, you do that too. <laughs> and, and that that's quite common or ourselves. We're, we're not doing kind of the more longer term ways of, of learning or accomplishing because we're so distracted by, oh, what about this message? What about this message? So the things you can do that I do myself that, that really help a lot is to have some boundaries or some guardrails, if you will, around how I use my phone. And one of them is, is I keep the volume down and, and so I don't hear anything. I particularly do not want to hear. I might want to turn up the volume if I want to make sure that I, I, I get a phone call. If my wife, Bonnie, is going to give me a phone call, I want to hear it. But then I'll make sure that that, the, that all the other like um, the other setting for, for all the notifications, that's, that's on silent. So I don't feel distracted. And then when I, when I go on social media, I've noticed I can, I can think I was gonna be on there for two minutes and a half an hour later, and I'm thinking that was not a good use of my time. So I have kind of a, a, a rule that when, when I, I go on Facebook at all, I just, I just will respond to the, the first couple of things that come up in my feed and that's it, <laughs> nothing more. <laughs> So, so I just, first couple of things, yep, I've responded, I'm done. Because they randomly come up anyway. So, so over a period of time, somebody might know that I, I was thinking about them because I did respond. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so that's what I do myself. I just really try to limit it. Same, even to watching TV. If we're watching too much TV, especially watching news, and news is designed to keep you hooked to that television set too. This is very psychologically informed of how to keep people there and not doing other things. Right. So, so, so again, sometimes you do a moratorium, you don't watch any news for a, a period of time. And then if you reintroduce it again, you reintroduce just a little bit at a time. And you say, I'm only gonna watch a little bit, that's it. And, and if you find yourself watching off more than that, then you go back on another moratorium. <laughs> yeah. Drinking, I, I, I have a beer every day, I have for decades, I hardly ever miss, but only one. <laughs> because I like the taste of beer. I really do. I like the ritual. So my wife and I will talk back a beer, you know, most every night, just one. And, and that's really important. If it became two or three or four, then that wouldn't be healthy. Mm. So a lot of this is, you know, your questions in, in the context of, of balance, how we have balance in our lives. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So technology, it's, it's, it's a tool. We're look, look at, we're using this wonderful tool here to communicate right. with people all over the world. It's a terrific tool. Yeah. Right. But if you and I spend our, our entire day watching YouTube videos, uh, we're, we're, we're going to probably not feel good afterwards. We we'll probably feel that wasn't a good use of our time. We could have done something more creative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But a YouTube video now and then, a good thing. Yeah. 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 
Well, I've really appreciated our time together, Richard, and want to again um, ask you to share anything that we didn't cover you'd like our listeners to know, and then also how people can reach you and um, the best way. Yeah, I think we covered everything I'd, I'd like your listeners to know. Just, just um, I guess one, one last thing is just know that all of you have a very rich life experience. You have a big database. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast or watching it if you didn't have a lot of affinity for what Cindy has been providing in terms of a resource for you. So you, you have that anyway, which is really, really helpful. And I think it's good if you can look at all the experiences of your life and pull those in also and see how they all work together within a, more of an overlay, if you will, of, of spirituality and growth. I think that could be helpful for you. Thank you. All right. And then uh, you wanted me to give some contact information. Yeah, let's have yeah. it. I'm easy to reach. If you just go on the internet and do a little search, if you know my name, that's the best way. If you're getting other Richard Chandlers, go to one that has a Richard J. Chandler, Richard J. Chandler, and then I'll come up. If you do Richard Chandler Psychotherapy, Richard Chandler Music, I'm going to probably come up, Richard J. Chandler, at least. Okay. And so look for me that way. Uh, if you want to specifically get in touch with me, you can do so if you um, simply, um, I, I think actually, I think you'd better off if you just go to my websites, then on my websites, I have my phone number and my email address. I, I put them there right on my website. It's not a complicated process. I don't have, you don't even have to sign a big form to, to communicate me by email. You'll see it right there. I've got all my contact information on my websites. So just look for me, do a, a little web search uh, Richard J. Chandler, if it's music, Richard J. Chandler, psychotherapy. Uh, I'm, I'm rebuilding the yoga site, so the, that's not real good yet, but that'll still come up. And, uh, and, and business stuff too comes up. So well, thank, you. thank you so much. I appreciate you having the generosity to share your wonderful audience with me. Thank you so much, Cindy. Oh, you're so welcome. And thank you for the contribution you made to my life. And um, it continues to serve me all these years of practicing yoga and sharing with others and seeing people really apply the tools to their lives and go on to teach themselves. Um, yes. have lots of students who've become teachers. Um, it feels like you and I, and that there was one other gal, can't remember her name. We were, we were like three yoga teachers in the area. And then since there's probably hundreds now, so yeah. it's kind of planted the seeds and then moved on to our respective interests and areas of service. And um, I want to thank you for planting that seed for me um, and everyone else that has been touched by your generosity, Richard. Oh, well, you're very, very welcome. Thank you so much. And I don't know if I really planted it as I just, when, when it was a little younger, I wa helped you helped water it. I think that would be more accurate. <laughs> yeah, it was probably planted. <laughs> Yeah. I think you planted it yourself. It was in there. It was in there somewhere. Yeah, it was. It was All resonating right. with with the, the seeds that you were cultivating. We were yeah. the gardening, the gardening metaphors. They're the gardening metaphor once again. Yes. Thank you so much. I really Standing on it. our heads in the yoga studio at Suburban. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of a trip. <laughs> 
while we hear weights dropping in the other room. I know on top of us. Yeah. Clunk. That was the one thing about teaching there. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it was where I got my start. It was wonderful. Yeah. Good opportunities. Good. So thank you, Richard J. Chandler. I appreciate it. You're very it. welcome. Okay. We'll be in touch. Okay. Bye. Thank you.